Well, good morning, everyone. As Scott said, my name is Kristen. If I haven't met you before, I have the privilege of being part of our leadership team and the joy of being with you this morning. Uh, Some of you may not know this, but I have four kids. And when I was pregnant with my first daughter, Audrey, she surprised us and she came at 36 weeks. So for those of you who don't know pregnancy lingo, a typical full-term pregnancy is 40 weeks long. So Audrey came about a month early and luckily she was healthy. She was just itty bitty, but she was healthy. So then I got pregnant with my second baby, my son Bryson, and he was born at 37 weeks. So not quite as early as Audrey, but still three weeks early. So then I got pregnant with my third baby and I thought, I, I have babies early. That's just, that's just what happens. I have babies early. So when I hit 36 weeks in my pregnancy, my hospital bag was packed. The nursery was decorated. I had all her itty bitty clothes washed and folded and ready for her to wear. And 36 weeks comes and tick, 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 37 weeks. And I'm like, okay, any minute now. Her brother came at 37 weeks, any minute now. My mom and my sisters and my friends, they're calling me like every day after 37 weeks. Hey, anything happening? I finally stopped answering my phone because I was like, you know what? I'm going to call you. Well, I'm not. Joel is going to call you when I go into labor. I was getting really, really frustrated because I was still waiting for this baby to come. And I know those of you who went beyond your due date, you're mad at me right now. I get it. I know. (laughs) Just hang with me here. So I hit 38 weeks. I've never been 38 weeks pregnant and I'm done. I am tired of waiting for this baby to be born. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just taking things into my own hands. I'm like walking miles and miles and miles. I'm eating all the spicy foods. I'm drinking raspberry leaf tea. I went as far as to go to the pharmacy and buy a bottle of castor oil. Don't recommend. It did not start labor. It did not start labor. Finally, at 39 weeks, I went into labor. But let me tell you, I thought at 38 and a half weeks, I was like, I'm never, I will be pregnant forever. <laughs> like I'm, this baby is never coming. I am going to be waiting to meet this baby forever. But she did finally come at 39 weeks, still a week early. But to me, she felt three weeks late. I had been waiting and waiting and waiting for this baby to be born. And it's a silly, you know, illustration, but the reality is we all find ourselves in seasons of waiting, right? Over the past couple of weeks, we've been in this series where we're looking at faith through the lens of a couple of different things. Last year or last week, we talked about radical faith. We've talked about healthy faith, right? Today, we're going to talk about waiting faith. How do we grow our faith when we find ourselves in a season of waiting? Will you pray with me? And then we'll dive into this. God, thank you for just the opportunity that we have as a church family to gather together, to open the scriptures, to find ourselves encouraged by one another, by your spirit. And as we look at this idea of of growing our faith in times of waiting, Father, I just pray that you would speak to each one of us right where we need encouragement, right where we need conviction, right where we need to be reminded about things that are true. We honor you with our time this morning. Help me to just be sensitive to your spirit, hearts to be open and tender. In your name, amen. All right, so 
the question we're going to be considering from here on out is how do we exercise faith in a season of waiting? And there's a couple things that I think could really, really help us. The first thing that we can do when we find ourselves waiting for something, it could be so many different things. Maybe you're waiting for breakthrough. Maybe you're waiting for healing. Maybe you're waiting for a clean bill of health from the doctor. Maybe you're waiting for a spouse. Maybe you're waiting for a baby. Maybe you're waiting for a new job. Maybe you're waiting for Jesus to return. There's all kinds of different things that we find ourselves waiting for. But whatever they might be, these tools will help us in those seasons of waiting. And the first one is to remember the past. Remember the past. When I find myself waiting for something, it is so helpful to me to go back in my mind and rehearse and go over the ways in which I've experienced God's faithfulness before. Because it reminds me, you know what? He was faithful then. He did it then, he's gonna do it again, right? And for me, I have a little bit of like squirrel brain sometimes when it comes to my prayer life. And I'll be praying and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I wonder what's for dinner. I wonder what should I wear to dinner with my friends tomorrow night? Like my mind just starts to wander. So I find it really, really helpful to actually write this down. And I do this. I have notebooks, I have tons of spiral notebooks that are full of grocery lists and prayers and all kinds of different things. But I'll sit down and just write, oh yes, I remember God's faithfulness in this situation, in this situation. Rehearse it in my mind, privately, in my prayer life. In Psalm 143, verse 5, David is talking about the same idea. He's actually doing this in his prayer in the psalm. He said, I remembered the days of old, went over all you've done, pondered the ways that you've worked. So when we're in a season of waiting, when we need to remember God's faithfulness, begin in your prayer life. Begin privately in your prayer life. But that's not the only way that we can remember God's faithfulness in the past. We also remember corporately in worship. Here at Novation, on the first Sunday of each month, what do we do? Yeah, we take communion together. We do it the first Sunday of every single month. And when we corporately come together and we take communion, what we're doing is we're remembering back to what Jesus did at the Last Supper in the upper room before he went to the cross. Jesus was gathered there with his disciples. And in Luke 22, 19, we have a description of this. He took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, to his disciples. And listen to what he says. He said, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. When we take communion, we are remembering God's faithfulness to us. When we sing together in worship, when we declare truths about who God is and what he's done, when we open our Bibles together, when we read the story that God's writing throughout human history, we're remembering his faithfulness. This is an important part of remembering when we're in that season of waiting. So don't, don't give up when you're in a season of waiting. It can be easy to just pull back, but you, come, come here, gather with people who will help you remember God's faithfulness. And it goes beyond just our Sunday morning gathering because we also remember frequently in community. 
with one another. And here at Novation, we provide a lot of different ways for people to get connected, but our home groups and our core groups, home groups are a group of 15 to 20 people who get together on a regular basis, and then core groups are made up of just a few men or just a few women who meet together regularly to pray, to talk about the deep stuff, to uh, just encourage each other, build each other up, be accountable for one another. Make sure you're in a home group or a core group because what happens in those communities is we remind each other of God's faithfulness. We encourage each other. I will never forget when uh, Joel and I were in a home group with the Van Sickle, Scott and Shasta Van Sickle, and a handful of other people. And we met, we were meeting at Lauren and Ryan Graves' house. And we were sitting around the couches and we were all just sharing about what God had done in our lives, about ways that we had seen God's faithfulness. And Scott and Shasta were kind of new at the time. Now they've been here for, for years. But Scott and Shasta were a little bit new. And Scott was pretty quiet. Scott didn't usually pipe up and you know share too much. But this one day, as we were all talking, Scott just very quietly said, you know, I'm not sure what, where I'm at with all this right now, but keep telling your stories. And what Scott was saying is, I am learning about God's faithfulness as you remember God's faithfulness. And today, Scott and Shasta, they participate in a home group. Shasta was just on our mission trip. They lead in multiple different areas in children's ministry. They're following God. They're, They're walking with Jesus because they experienced God's faithfulness through the stories of the people around them. We have to remember the past when we're in that season of waiting. The second thing, that we need to do, and this is a tough one, is engage in the present. Now, if you go back to that story that I started with, when I was waiting for Ashlyn to come, between weeks 37 and when she was born at week 39, I cannot tell you one single thing that happened during those two weeks. I don't know if I did something fun, I can't remember any intentional connection with my other two kids, or with my husband, Joel, I don't know what was happening in the world because I was so focused on the thing that I was waiting for that I completely missed out on what was happening in my actual everyday life. And that's easy to do when we're in a season of waiting, when we focus on the thing that we're waiting for, it's really difficult to engage in the present. But there's a few things that we can do to help us stay grounded in today, in this moment, even while our hearts are longing for something that we're waiting for. The first thing that we can do is to continue to serve other people. God's desire is that we would experience his goodness, his grace, his love, his faithfulness, and also that we would be a vehicle through which other people can experience those realities of God. But when we are so focused on what we're waiting for, we might miss out on opportunities that are right in front of us to both experience that and to help other people experience that. I feel like I reference this verse almost every time I teach because it's been so very, very formative in my own walk. Um, It's Ephesians 2.10. And Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we would walk in them. 
God created us for good works. There's things every day for you and I to do, for you and I to walk in. And when we are so focused on whatever it is that we are waiting for, we might miss out on getting to partner with God, to participate with him in the redeeming work that he's doing in the world all around us. So if you want to engage in the present, even in that season of waiting, look around you. Look around. Who can you serve? Who can you care for? How can you make a difference even while you wait, even in the midst of longing? The second thing that you can do is pursue contentment. And again, this one's really hard. And I almost, as I was working on this, I was kind of struggling with this because it sounds a little like a Christian band-aid. You know what I mean? Like, just pursue contentment. I know you're longing for that clean bill of health. I know you've been trying and trying for a baby and you're still waiting, but just pursue contentment. And I don't want to come across that way. I hope it doesn't sound like that. But here's what I know. That our contentment is only found in Jesus. Paul understood this. In Philippians 4.11, Paul is talking about his reality, the reality of his circumstances. He had experienced a whole lot of different things. He'd experienced being in prison, being free, having nothing, having an abundance, being hungry, having enough to eat, right? And he's, that's the context of what he's talking about. And he said, for I've learned in whatever situa- situation I am to be content. That's Philippians uh, 4.11. And his contentment wasn't based on his circumstances. He learned to be content because he could do everything through Jesus who gave him strength. So pursuing contentment practically for us, it might look like putting some really healthy rhythms in place in our life. Maybe it's, you know, praying through a particular psalm over your morning cup of coffee. Maybe it's a walk at sunset where you just recognize the the goodness of God in creation. You're reminded of his faithfulness as you wait. You find contentment just for that moment. This is probably something that we have to do minute by minute, hour by hour. It's not a one-time thing when we're in that season of waiting. Maybe it's a phone call with a friend. Maybe if this is something you're struggling with right now, maybe you need to reach out and say, hey, would you call me every Wednesday? and just pray with me and help me remember God's faithfulness while I wait, while I'm in this season of longing for a reality that just isn't here yet. There's a lot of different ways that we might pursue contentment, but take some time to think, what could this look like for you in your life right now, today, while you wait, minute by minute, hour by hour, how can you pursue contentment? And then thirdly, if we want to engage in the present moment, we have to continue to worship. We have to make worship just a a position that we put ourselves in. I really wish that worship could be like a magic bullet and we could just turn on Caleb or ask Christy to come over to our house and sing to us or something. And we just start singing a worship song and immediately we're, we're serving others. We're engaged in the present. We're remembering God's faithfulness. We're, you know, we're content, but that's not how it works. It's hard. But as we worship, as we live a life of worship, God molds and shapes our hearts. He helps us to trust in his goodness, in his sovereignty, in his faithfulness. And as we just make our posture 
one of worship continually, God will help us to dig into this moment, to be present, to engage in this moment. In Hebrews 13, 15, the writer of Hebrews says, through him then let us continually, that word is really important, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of his lips that acknowledge his name. Let's continually worship together, even in the season of waiting, even when we're longing. Let's continue to worship. And then our third tool, you can probably guess, we have remember the past, engage in the present, hope in the future. Hope in the future. It's hard when you are waiting for something to believe that goodness is on the other side. I remember when my kids were, I can't remember if this was a kindergarten activity or a first grade activity, but all of my kids did this little activity where at school they would plant a lima bean in you know, a little plastic cup and they brought their lima bean home and there was like this chart that we had to check on the lima bean each day and watch the progress. And I remember my son Bryson while he was doing this project, he was excited when he brought home his little little cup with his little lima bean and it was under the soil. And if you looked at it, it was like, it's just a cup of dirt. Like there's nothing happening. And he would, like every 15 minutes, he's coming and he's like looking at the cup. And after the end of the first day, he was like, this project is dumb. Like nothing's happening. It's dirt. It's still only dirt. And for him, that first day felt like a really, really long wait trying to see something happening, right? But we know as adults that in the soil, in the darkness, when it looks like nothing is happening, new life is actually getting ready to spring forth, right? Like roots are getting ready to grow down from the seed and little tender shoots are going to work their way up through the soil. But for Bryson, those first couple of days, it just was like, well, this is a stupid project because nothing's happening. There's nothing for me to draw on my chart except for a cup of dirt. That's how we feel in our season of waiting. But I want to encourage you to trust that God is working even in your waiting, that even when it feels like he's far away, like you're lonely, like it's quiet, like nothing is happening, God is actually doing something behind the scenes. And if you could only see it, if you could only know the good that will come out of your season of waiting, you would just praise him. But because we can't see the beginning from the end like he can, sometimes we found us, find ourselves just doubting. We find ourselves a little bit unsure. Is he really working in my waiting? Is he really going to make something beautiful out of what feels like a dead bean in soil? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything, including our waiting, to work together for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. Our waiting on the other side of it, there's always good. There's always glory to God, even when it doesn't feel like it. If we're going to hope in the future, we also have to remember that this earth as it currently is, is not our home. Scott talked about this last week, and I thought this was such a great illustration. He said, you know, anytime you hit a discouragement, anytime you're disappointed, anytime you find yourself waiting, it's like a little sticky note that you would stick on your fridge to be like, hey, remember to get milk. That's God's little sticky note to us saying, hey, the earth as it currently is, this isn't your home. 
You were made for something more than this. Let our seasons of waiting remind us of that reality. Jesus knew this. In John 16, Jesus said, look, here on earth, you're going to have sorrows. You're going to have trials. You're going to find yourselves in a season of waiting. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Sometimes we get so thrown off when things don't line up the way we think that they should, when God doesn't move, when we feel like God should move, when we find ourselves waiting and longing and waiting and longing, and we just feel so like taken aback, and we don't understand why, that, why that's happening. And the, one of the reasons is because, hey, this isn't our home. God's still redeeming and working things together. Paul knew this too in Philippians 3.20. He said, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. So when you're in that season of waiting and longing, just remember this isn't our home. We were made for something better than this. Lastly, anchor your hope in Jesus and not in your desired outcome. Anchor your hope in Jesus and not your desired outcome. Whatever it is that you're waiting for, whether it's a spouse or a baby or a clean bill of health or a new job, whatever it is that you're waiting for, it will disappoint you. You're going to be disappointed, of course, if that thing you're longing for, if it doesn't come to fruition, of course there's disappointment in that. I am telling you, there is also going to be disappointment if you get the thing that you're waiting for and you've put your hope in it because that thing, whatever it is, it cannot hold up under the weight of your hope. You will be disappointed because we were created by a God whose desire is that we know him, that we are in relationship with him, that we partner with him. And he created us in such a way that we will only ever be satisfied in Jesus. He is the only thing, the only person that can satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. I got to tell you guys, as I was preparing for this message, as I was praying and wrestling with some of this, I was having a hard time with this because I know some of your stories. I know that some of you are in excruciating seasons of waiting. I know that you have experienced the desperation of waiting for an outcome that you just aren't sure of. And I'm standing up here today in a relative time of, of ease and of blessing. I am not struggling in a season of waiting. And I was just like, God, how can I, how can I stand before my church family and say, anchor your hope in Jesus. Anything else will disappoint you, but Jesus will never disappoint you. And God, what if... When I walk through my own season of waiting, what if I doubt this? And I've stood before my church family and, and declared this to be true. And then maybe in my own season, I struggle to believe it. And I was really wrestling with this. And God in his goodness and his kindness to me, he spoke to my heart and he said, you believing this isn't what makes it true. It's true because it's true. You can stand and you can declare that Jesus will never, ever disappoint you because it's true. 
us leaning into that and wrapping our minds and wrestling with that truth while we're in a season of waiting, it brings peace. It brings hope. It brings comfort. But you know what it doesn't bring? It doesn't make it true because it's already true. It's already true. And I found that so encouraging. So please hear my humble heart standing before you today. Even in your season of longing or waiting or struggling, Jesus will never disappoint you. You can put your hope in him. He will never disappoint you. The book of Revelation can be pretty um, difficult to read. There's a lot of imagery. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot that you need to be able to kind of unpack in order to follow what's happening in the book of Revelation. But I want to read you the first seven verses out of chapter 21. We're almost at the end of the story. And I think these seven verses, they're, they're not too, they're, they play, paint a pretty clear picture. They're not too difficult to uh, follow along. So read, read with me here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. What a beautiful picture of the hope of the whole story of the Bible. From the beginning to the end, the story of the Bible is the hope that one day God's dominion and our dominion will be united. That one day there will be no more death. God will replace death with life, our mourning with joy. There'll be no more sin, no more tears, no more pain. All the nations of the world will gather together and be blessed because of the resurrected Jesus. God's presence will permeate every ounce of our being and every inch of the world, the new heaven and the new earth, where we will be co-heirs, where we will, will reign with Christ. That's the hope. We can anchor our hope in Jesus because he will not disappoint us. So whatever you're waiting for, whatever season you find yourself in today, Let's commit ourselves to these things, to remembering the faithfulness of God in the past, to engaging in the present, walk in all that God has for you today, and ultimately know that your hope is secure because Jesus has already won the victory. And that is good news. That's the best news. That's where we're going we're gonna to close today. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. 
I want to encourage you to not just think about this in your own head and maybe say, oh, you know, I need to, I need to grow in remembering God's faithfulness in the past. Or, oh, I should really, I should engage in the present. I should reach out, find out how I can serve. Or realizing that, man, maybe I have some unpacking to do. Maybe your hope has been placed in the wrong thing. Don't just think it in your own head. Here's what I want you to do. As we sit together in a few minutes to eat and enjoy some fun, I want you to tell somebody else. Find somebody in your home group. Find a friend. Find somebody on the leadership team and say, hey, here's, here's where God's challenging me. Here's where God's encouraging me. Share it so somebody else can be praying for you, can reach out to you and say, hey, how's it going? I've been thinking of you. I want you to be encouraged in your season of waiting. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to give you guys a little bit of instruction about how uh, food is going to go. But we have such a good God. The hope of Jesus is, is the ultimate hope. And it's such a joy and a privilege. So many of the people in this room are dear friends who have walked with me and reminded me of God's faithfulness. And it's just a pleasure and a joy to celebrate and worship Jesus with you all. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much that you have given us the revelation of who you are in Jesus so that we can anchor our hope securely in the one who will never disappoint us. Father, for everybody in this room who is in a season of waiting right now, I just pray that your peace would overcome their worry, their fear, their longing, that you would give them a vision for the hope of the future, that you would remind us in our, in our moments of desperation that we're never alone, and ultimately that we would see you victorious, reigning as king in our lives and one day over the whole world. And we love you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.